L.A. with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet L.A. and back to Anita Marks. Uh, welcome back to Bet L.A. Hour 2 here on 710 ESPN. We've got a great hour still in store for you, but I just want to recap what Greg Wyshynski was saying uh, with, uh, of course, uh, all the all the hockey talk, the NHL talk. Um Man, nobody better than Greg Wyshynski, that's for sure. So uh, so what we know heading into tomorrow, the Dallas Stars. By the way, Greg loved the Dallas Stars heading into the postseason. So did I. Um, it's been a rough road. Nothing was easy, but nonetheless, they have advanced. So tomorrow, uh, the puck drops at 8.40 p.m. Eastern time. The Dallas Stars going up against, as we know, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. So Vegas at home. And they're favored on the on the money line is minus one twenty five. If you like the stars in this game, it's plus one oh five. Uh, the over under in regard to uh, uh, goals five and a half. And uh, if you want to play the puck the 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 puck line, and you feel that the Vegas Golden Knights are going to come out strong and dominate, uh, they're laying obviously one and a half goals, and you could get that at plus. 210 plus 210 bigger picture here uh, in regard to uh, the futures we talked futures in regard to the NBA let's talk some futures in regard to the NHL the Hurricanes favored to win the championship at plus 225 this the Stanley Cup of course at plus 225 Um, we've got the uh, Vegas uh, Golden Knights at plus 260 the Dallas Stars at plus 310 and the Florida Panthers at plus 330. I know we just got done talking about the Miami Heat and the futures bet there and, and how special that is. Can we just marinate in this for a minute? Just the mere fact that both the Florida Panthers and the Miami Heat came into their postseason as the last seed, the eighth seed, the last seed in their, uh, in, in of course, you know, uh, their conference coming in. And now both the Florida Panthers and the Miami Heat are still the top four remaining. Man, the, the state of Florida has got to be just, you know, beside themselves right now. They've just, it's got to be electric. It's got to be fun. Especially what, what, was, what was really many people expecting from the Florida. The, the, the mere fact that they beat the Boston Bruins um, was, was, was impressive enough. And now, of course, uh, they've got their hands full with the Hurricanes, who are just absolutely phenomenal at home. Uh, with that being said, if I was going to play these future bets, what would I do? I'm going to go with the Dallas Stars. Uh, that's who I liked coming in to the postseason. They're one of the four still remaining, and so I've and, and so full disclosure, I've already gone to the window. You could still get them right now at plus three ten, and so still some solid odds. I would recommend you do that. I just all around, I just like this Dallas Stars team a lot, and um, and so uh, very interesting. Both the teams that I had coming into the playoffs that I thought would win both the NBA and the NHL championships are still alive: the Denver Nuggets and the Dallas Stars. So, uh, so I'm feeling I'm feeling really, really good about that. <laughs> So, um, but we've got hour two ahead. Uh, we got Bernard Bernardino, who's going to be joining us, uh, Osuna. He joined me earlier this week on bet. We've got a big boxing bout getting you ready on Saturday. Haney going up against Lomachenko. And there's a really interesting storyline here, uh, between these two guys, um, that, and, and I always say it's always fun when you're watching a boxing match 
and there's a storyline behind it, right? Uh, and there's and it, it adds an element of you know a personal touch, um, whether a, a boxer has a beef with another boxer, whatever the case. And apparently these two do, and it goes back to 2019. So excited to get uh, Bernardino on with us uh, to give us a, a look behind the camera or look a peek behind the curtain, as I like to call it, um, it with with the personal touch of this boxing bout that we're going to see on Saturday. Also, you got the PGA Championship. Round one took place earlier today. Some really cold weather that a number of the guys had to tee off early on, and uh, it was like mid to low 30s. And then because the sun was out, it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, by the time that a number of the guys teed off for their afternoon tee times, uh, the temperatures were up into the mid to, to high 50s. So it's just one of those things in golf, right? Like you get the tee time you get. Like there's nothing, there's nothing you, it's, it's, it's the luck of the draw. And those that of course had to tee off early this morning uh, had, had a tough go of it. Uh, that's for sure. And, and, and the, uh, the leaderboard definitely represents that. So uh, Keith Stewart's going to join us. We'll do a deep dive into the PGA championship, the second major of the season on tour. And uh, we're going to have some really fun golf heading our way on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And also it is the Preakness. Not only is it the second stop for the PGA tour in regard to uh, the championship the major championships, but also it's leg two of the triple crown. So leg one, as we know, they start with a bang and that was the Kentucky Derby. Mage did win. Believe it or not, that's the only horse. <laughs> it's the only horse from the Kentucky Derby that's going to be competing in the Preakness. It is a small field. It is only eight horses, but we're going to break it down with Mark DiLorenzo from Giddy Up. So getting you ready for the Preakness, the PGA Championship and some boxing on Saturday. Buckle up, baby. This is Bet LA here on 710 ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. All right, Bet LA, watch out. Get those dukes up. Time to talk about boxing. Bernardino um, Ozuna um, was kind enough to join me on my Bet Digital show earlier this week. Let's talk about Haney and Lomachenko. Always fun when there's a Saturday with a boxing match and there's, there's a lot of history here that we need to dive into because uh, let's be honest, whenever you're watching a boxing match, when, whenever there's a storyline surrounding the two opponents, it always makes it that much more fun to tune into. So uh, again, let's listen in. Here's uh, Bernardino joining me on bet. And Bernardo joins us now. Great to have you on Huge Fight in Vegas this weekend, right? We've got Haney going against Lomachenko. Now, you've got Haney, who's favored by minus 280. Before we dive into the fight, and I want to get your picks and whatnot, for those that are watching, maybe not so familiar between the history here, some bent-up anger over the fact that uh, Loma did not, was not, Haney was not able to fight Loma back in 2019. So if you can, share with us that backstory, which I think will be really interesting for those who are going to tune in this weekend. I think that's a pleasure to be here with you on the bet. And it all comes down to good old boxing politics. Vasily Lomachenko wins the WBC world title against Jorge Linares, and then he unifies it against Jose Pedraza, who was the WBO champion. He goes after his third belt, which was against Luke Campbell in London, and he wins the WBA strap. There's only one belt missing. But 
boxing being boxing, where you can have two champions at the same time. The WBC allows Devin Haiti to fight Zaur Abdullayev, the last man that he stopped in 2019, and then says, okay, Haney's next to fight Vasily Lomachenko. But Lomachenko, the two-time Olympic gold medalist, says, my dream is to be the undisputed champion. So why don't we designate me the WBC franchise champion, a designation that has only been allowed for Canelo Alvarez previously, and that happens. So then Devin Haney becomes the official WBC champion. He was called the email champion at the time because that's how he was notified of him being elevated to the champion. But then we get Teofimo Lopez, a fight for all four belts, kind of, who beats Vasily Lomachenko, then goes and loses to George Cambosis in Australia. And then, so here, and then now Devin Haney goes and wins those belts in 2022 in Australia. He wins the rematch. And here we are three years later. And now, instead of Loma being the favorite, Devin Haney is the favorite as the true undisputed champion, the youngest ever in the four belt era, making that happen at age 23. Only in boxing did that even make sense, Anita. But that's the sport I work in. Well, make sense of this. I mean, this is a heavy favorite, right? Minus 280. So explain why such a big favorite for Haney. I mean, in boxing, the old adage says, a good big man beats a good small man. And what we have here is an exceptionally skilled big man who's fast, who's skilled, and who is quick and uses his range because he's quite long. Yet we have a once-in-a-generation small man who knows how to fight big fighters. Why? Because his entire career, he's been put in against big fighters. The thing here is, why is Lomachenko such an underdog? Because his last four fights have been a mixed bag. Starting from the Teofimo Lopez fight where he gave away the first six rounds, he comes back against uh, Nakatani and knocks him out in nine rounds. Then he goes up against Richard Comey. He has him out on his feet in the seventh round, looks over at the corner, kind of says, are you guys going to stop this punishment? They don't, so it goes the distance. And then he comes in, and in his last fight against Jermaine Ortiz, it was a lackluster win against what? A big, long skilled and fast fighter so a lot of people are saying Jermaine Ortiz is not on the level of Devin Haney yet he gave Lomachenko all he can handle how can a 35 year old who has had shoulder surgery after the Teofimo Lopez fight pull off this upset and that's one of the reasons that Devin Haney is such a big favorite so uh, Loma notorious right as a slow starter but the books are telling us that more than likely this fight is going to go the distance so my question to you is does that mean Loma's going to have to change his fighting style that we've seen in the past so he doesn't fall behind in points in this matchup he has to because he cannot afford to do what he did against Teofimo Lopez and give away the first six rounds he made it competitive down late but it was that 12th round rally from Teofimo Lopez that was the difference between being an undisputed champion and not and so the last fight we saw uh Vasily Lomachenko in was against Jermaine Ortiz also a very slow start what helped him was the fact that he swept the last six rounds but guess what you're not fighting Jermaine Ortiz you're fighting a man who is undisputed, who's 24 years old, who is fresh, who is a man who doesn't give up his size. We see a lot of big fighters in the sport that don't know how to use their size. Devin Haney is so disciplined in that sense that he fights tall, he fights long. And so Vasily Lomachenko, who is used to being the smaller fighter, um, he has to come out and really do something different because 
What he's done in his last two fights will simply not suffice against a fighter of the caliber and the discipline of Devin Haney. So we know Haney has never lost a fight, but in his last six fights, no TKO, no knockout. Now, all unanimous decision. He does have that reach advantage. How is that going to come into play? How do you think that's going to affect the fight on Saturday? On paper, it's a huge advantage because he has a three and a half inch height and a five and a half inch reach advantage over Vasily Lomachenko. But after Loma's last win against um, Jermaine Ortiz, I was doing the post-fight interview and in comes Devin Haney and they're facing off in front of me and Lomachenko muses. What are you, a heavyweight? I mean, the size difference is notorious and you'll see it every time they face off this week, you know, whether it be at today's press conference, whether it be at the weigh-in on Friday, whether it be right before the fight, it's gonna be noticeable. But yet, Vasily Lomachenko has done that his entire career. Why? Because this will be his ninth consecutive opponent that has both a height and reach advantage and his ninth consecutive opponent that has either a height or reach advantage. So a 14th. But when you look at this, Vasily Lomachenko is going to need to get on the inside. And this is where referee Harvey Dock is going to be key because we know that Devin Haney likes to pop the jab and clinch. And some of the best work that Vasily Lomachenko does is on the inside. What will referee Harvey Dock allow to happen? Will he allow Devin Haney to initiate those clinches after he jabs? Or will he allow them to fight out of it? And how the fight is officiated will mean what type of fight we get. And so that's going to be really interesting to see as the fight progresses because Devin Haney's already put it out there. Lomachenko's a dirty fighter. And he's the first fighter that's ever said that. None of his past opponents have said that. So there's some gamesmanship going on Okay, before we let you go, take me, take our viewers, take our listeners to the window, hold our hands. How are you playing this fight? My first inclination was the over. Ten and a half rounds, it has to go over, right? Devin Haney hasn't scored a knockout, knockout since his uh, lightweight uh, world title fight against Zaur Abdullayev. Six consecutive decisions. But then I saw minus 600, I said, no, 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 that's a sucker's bet. So then I said, Kevin Haney has to win, right? Minus 165. Okay. But what if you believe that Vasily Lomachenko can have one last hurrah at age 35 with all that skill, with that southpaw stance at plus 330? No, no, no. Let's not do that. Let's go straight to plus 800 for the knockout. If you believe that Vasily Lomachenko has the goods to beat Devin Haney, then you go for the stoppage win and get yourself 8-1 to one odds. Great stuff, Bernardo. Thank you so much for getting us ready for a great fight, no doubt, on Saturday. Appreciate you. Don't forget to buy that ESPN Plus pay-per-view because this is a fight between a legend and an up-and-coming future legend because Devin Haney is a throwback fighter at age 24, undisputed, and he wants all the smoke, whether it be Shakur Stevenson next, whether it be Javante Tank Davis next. Everybody's running away from the challenges, and Devin Haney's running right at it. 
All right. Now we've got you locked and loaded, ready for Haney and Lomachenko. So uh, that's going to be fun, a fun bout to watch on Saturday. We get back. We're going to get you ready for some golf. That's right. we got the PGA Championship taking place right now. So uh, we'll head into, of course, uh, round two, getting ready for the weekend. It's taking place here in my own backyard. Well, actually about four, four hours north of me, but still on the, uh, on the East Coast. It is, the leg, it is leg two. It is uh, the major number two on the PGA Tour schedule. So big tournament. Keith Stewart joins us next here on Bet LA 710 ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Bet LA, time to get you ready for the PGA Championship. We got round one that took place earlier this afternoon. Keith Stewart, you've heard him before. He's been on our airwaves. Uh, former uh, PGA Tour pro also has a variety of shows that he does um, all over uh, here in, in the New Jersey area, ESPN. And he is, I love it. Keith, I love when we say that you are our eyes and ears on the ground. I love that you travel around and you go to these tournaments and you're there at Oak Hill Country Club right now. I just love it. So with that being said, before we start doing a deep dive into you know what the leaderboard looks like and, and, and whatnot and previewing what's going to take place tomorrow... Um, you know, how, how is this course set this course up for us? Right. Like I, somebody told me it's like a hybrid U S open course kind of let us live vicariously through you. Just how difficult do you, is, is this course this weekend? It's pretty difficult. Uh, majority of the way to the first round, as we recap this thing, you know, there's just about a dozen guys under par. It is playing hard. It, it requires you to hit good shots one after another. And when you don't, the penalty is severe, and uh, boy, it is lush out there. It looks fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, in, in watching it today, uh, the rough, whoa, looks rough, right? And like, and like, and I'm just seeing these guys like hitting it, trying to hit it out of the rough, like, like just you know, you know, you. I'm. I know this is a family show. I'm trying to keep it, it, it polite, but like, just you know, like using every inch of their body uh, to try to get it out of the uh, get it out of the rough. Right. Like it's just I mean, this is this is really this is difficult stuff here. Well, Anita, what's interesting about it is that it's playable. And what I mean by that is they can hit shots from it, but it's not predictable at all. And that's what makes it really entertaining for us, the fans. There's no doubt about that, because these guys, they can launch the ball out of it, but they have no idea where it's going to go. And uh, it's just going to create some really neat recovery shots around these greens. I was walking today with Brooks's group and then later in the day with Hatton and those guys, and, you know, there's just a lot. <laughs> you have to be able to control your golf ball around this place, and the guys that aren't, they're not faring well. So, uh, you know, there's th- this is a Donald Ross course that was designed in 1925. A number of people have gotten their hands on it as well. It's, it's definitely, it plays long. The two metrics that I felt were most important coming in, Keith, were uh, driving distance uh, along with accuracy, right? But driving distance, really important, and greens and regulation. Uh, what, what were a few of the most important metrics you were looking at in, in trying to decide who you felt were gonna, was going to do well this week? As usual, you and I are in lockstep. Strokes gained off the tee was one of my primary priorities for this week. There is no fairway room here. It is really interesting, and the golf course is long. And then the second one, I love greens and regulation, but I went a step further, and I went with par-4 scoring. With only two par-5s, we're going to get a dozen par-4s a day. They hit a 
That's 48 over the course of 72 holes. If you can play well on the par fours and score on the PGA Tour, this is a good golf course for you. You know, at the end of the day, par 70 plays a lot different than par 72. And I did a deep dive on those, Anita. And if I can for a second, over the last five years on the PGA Tour, the lowest scoring average on par 70 golf courses, number one player, Brooks, number two, Rory, number three, DJ tied with Xander. All right. We got to go much further down the list. Scotty was 13th. Rob was 14th. Right. I mean, so it's really unique when you get on these uh, golf courses with two less par and two less par fives, you got to be able to score on those fours and par four scoring for me was really an important metric. And it's going to be each and every day. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, interesting you say that, you know, obviously coming in, Scotty Scheffler was favored here, and rightfully so. First in, uh, in strokes gained, in, in greens and regulation, first uh, in, in tee to green, and first in par four scoring. And obviously did well today as well towards the top of the leaderboard. Uh, he struggled last week at the Byron Nelson because of his putter. Uh, did you have any hesitation coming into this tournament in, in regard to your thoughts and how well you, Scott, you thought Scotty Shuffler would do? Oh, I definitely felt that this was a good setup for Scotty and his ball striking. He, even with average putting, I felt like he's, he's instantly in a top 20 zone. You know, And if he had made a couple of putts, and I walked with him this morning, he and Brooks and Gary Woodland, and I tell you, if you want to see a guy that struggles at putting, go watch Gary Woodland or don't watch him because it's hard to look at. But really, <laughs> Scotty... Scotty was solid and Brooks was solid too. So, I mean, both with the flat stick, no arguments there. Um, Scotty seems set up well for success here because, uh, you know, the, the putter was fine, Anita. Um, you know, two other guys that I want to tee up for you that did well today, you know, obviously Corey Connors, uh, the Canadian. I love him. Uh, such g- great in regard to in, in reg- probably arguably one of the best ball strikers on tour, right? Uh, what, what, what do you feel is in his bag that uh, he came in uh, allowing him to, to play so well today. He's one of those guys, you know, a lot of people talk about being well-rounded for Cantley and Shoffley and that crew, but Corey Connors is one of those guys that's really well-rounded. Unfortunately, the putter is, it's just not that, not his strong suit. And when he does putt well, he wins the Bolero like every third year. But at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't surprise me at all to see ball strikers all over the top of this leaderboard and seeing them all day on the highlight reel. You know, you've got guys like Victor Hovland, incredible ball striker, uh, Keegan Bradley, who I was all over as my long shot pick uh, pre-tournament. And, of course, Scotty's up there. Um, you know, it, it's, it just makes perfect sense to me that the guys that keep the ball in front of themselves in play and they don't make a lot of mistakes are the ones that are just over the course of each and every day are just going to keep floating around that even par and a couple under, and they're going to be in contention. Um, another guy that did well today is Victor Hovland. A lot of people were not high on him coming in because of how much he struggles in his short game, his pitching, uh, his feel around the greens. Surprised that, uh, that he's at the, at the top of, towards the top of leaderboard here uh, after round one? You know, surprised is, is, is kind of a unique way of putting it, Anita, because, like, we say this all the time. If a guy's a good ball striker, you and I, we look pre-tournament. Oh, all we need is the putter to pop, and he'll win. Well, that happens a lot more than the opposite, where great putters, all of a sudden, they find their ball striking. So I'm not necessarily surprised that this is happening for Hovland, but it is only Thursday, 
right? So I'm not going to go too far. Over the course of 72 holes, the short game is going to get tested, and it's not get, it didn't get super tested today on Thursday. But at some point, there's going to be an examination from the bunkers or in and around the greens, and uh, Victor will have his chance in order to continue to gain confidence with the short shots or um, maybe head in the direction that we all expect. But uh, I was definitely impressed with what I saw today, except his outfit. I think uh, I don't know if he was at the Oklahoma, if he was at like the Oklahoma State University men's cheerleading, uh, you know, uniforms or what. But it was whew, it was rough. Um, again, Keith, well, he got ripped for his outfit that he wore at the Masters. Now he's getting ripped for his outfit that he's wearing at the PGA Championship. Uh, Keith Stewart joining us here uh, on Bet LA. Uh, l- let's talk about the live players, right? Like Bryson DeChambeau, another guy who can grip it and rip it. Haven't really heard his name or seen him have a lot of success. Uh, had a pretty solid round uh, today as well. Uh, your, your thoughts, Brooks Kepka struggled a little bit. Your, your thoughts on the live guys uh, yet again, um, you know, uh, sharing the same locker room with the PGA fellas. Well, I'll tell you what, I was high on Brooks coming in and uh, today he got himself in a couple rough spots, but he hung in there and he made the most out of his round. The one guy from over at live that scares me the most is the guy that actually seems like he cares again. And that's DJ. Because DJ gets in the Northeast and he can boat race people. I mean, he seems very comfortable. He was extremely funny in the press room yesterday, uh, talking about how he threw out his back and it gave everyone a good laugh. I mean, if you haven't seen that clip on social, you got to go. I mean, we kind of miss DJ. We might kind of miss Brooks and those guys uh, being in the press room. You know, they're not there. Now, as far as Bryson goes, he has a new instructor. There's a new coach there, Dana Dahlquist, who's out in L.A. And Dana is a really good fit. He's a very technical teacher. Obviously, Bryson's a very technical guy. I I think where Bryson may have been struggling for a little bit and needed a set of educated eyes, I think Dana is the perfect guy for him. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in the next couple of live events or whatever, we see Bryson start to get back to Bryson form. Um, With that being said, before we let you go, uh, what what are your thoughts, you know, heading into Friday? I mean, obviously – uh, Thursday weather conditions, we had that freeze, which, of course, uh, tee times were postponed because the weather was so cold. So those who teed off in the morning obviously didn't get the nice temperature and weather that the guys who teed off in the afternoon received. Tomorrow is supposed to be the nicest day of them all. Saturday, they expected some some rain. I want to say like anywhere between 50 to 60 percent chance of rain. And then Sunday, I think 30% chance of rain. So uh, Saturday, they're going to get the worst of it. Um, so in regards to the weather conditions and, and what you're looking forward to tomorrow. Hey, you know, when it comes to you and I, Anita, we're always talking about these things, texting. Our betting audience is listening hard. And we are, you know, we're always trying to predict the weather. And everyone said, oh, it's going to be the PM, AM guys that are favored because they won't need to play at 7 a.m. on Thursday when it's 32 degrees. Well, guess what? Now, all of a sudden, it's flipped. The AM-PM guys seem to have an advantage because the PM guys of Thursday didn't get to finish their rounds. They're broken up. You know, they become a little more disjointed. So it's one of those things where I think you got to kind of go with the flow and um, eh, the cream's going to rise to the top. We saw it today in many cases, and it's going to continue to happen. You know, Rom had kind of a shaky start, but you know what? The guy's going to be around. And so I feel like, even if the rain comes in, they're saying less than we originally thought on Saturday. Ah, I mean, the weather was absolutely epic this afternoon, and it's going to be even better tomorrow on Friday. So, I mean, this thing's setting up to be quite an entertaining championship. 
I'm sure. Keith, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure having you on, my friend. En- enjoy the weekend. You as well, Anita, and all of your listeners. Enjoy the PGA Championship. <laughs> Keith Stewart joining us here on Bet LA. All right, we've got you pretty much. We've got you locked and loaded for a lot of stuff. NBA, right? Hockey, boxing, PGA Championship. There's one big event that's taking place on Saturday, and it's the 148th running of the Preakness Stakes happening in Baltimore, Maryland at Pimlico Racetrack. Mark DiLorenzo from Getty Up, baby, will join us next. Let's get you a winner. Eight horses, very different in regard to what we saw with the Kentucky Derby where we had 20 and, of course, uh, dwindled down, I want to say, at the end of the day, what was it, like 18, 19, but nonetheless, a much smaller field. What does that mean? We'll find out next right here on Bet LA 710 ESPN. KSPN AM 710 Los Angeles. KRDC AM 1110 Pasadena, Los Angeles. 710 ESPN. A good karma brand's radio station. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back. It is time to talk about the 148th running of the Preakness. Of course, we just had the 149th running of the Kentucky Derby. And Mark DiLorenzo joins us now from Giddy Up, baby. Uh, love talking to him throughout the Triple Crown season. And uh, and we're thrilled to have him here on ESPN Radio. Welcome in, Mark. How are you? Giddy Up, Anita. Happy Preakness <laughs> weekend. I'm fantastic. Uh, looking forward to a great weekend of racing. Absolutely. So, again, it is the Preakness taking place down there in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Pimlico Racetrack. I know it very well. I lived in Baltimore for four years. Um, they're calling this the weakness as opposed to the Preakness because of only one horse is running in the Preakness from the Derby, and that is Mage, um, the one that, of course, won. It is the three-horse. It is the favorite. I want you to let our listeners know, I'm sure there's a number of people listening right now that you know aren't savvy, uh, thoroughbred racing folk. Uh, you know, wh- why is that? Out of you know a field of 18 to 20, why now do we only have one from the Kentucky Derby that's participating in the Preakness this weekend? Wow, weakness. I like that. I don't know if you coined that yourself, but I should, we should make T-shirts off of that. That's not bad. Um, <laughs> horse racing has really horse racing has changed uh, a lot the last ten, fifteen years. Uh, but just similar in line with uh, you know the big four sports in general, there's more rep uh, that goes in, and there's more uh, time off in between races and games, just like we see in basketball. How a lot of these guys take maintenance days in baseball. Uh, you know, these pitchers don't pitch as much. They don't pitch as many innings. The hitters don't play as many games. There's no more Cal Ripken in horse racing. These horses have been bred for more speed. Uh, they're bigger, faster, stronger, just like to athlete in football, basketball, and baseball. So when you're a bigger, stronger, faster type athlete, which these horses are, they're the most incredible athletes in the whole world, they're going to need more time to recover. So a hundred and some odd years ago, they positioned the Preakness only 14 days after the Derby. It's been this way for a very, very long time. And it was known as the test of champions to try to win the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness two weeks after that, and then the Belmont Stakes three weeks after that. Um, that, is, that, that has changed. The game has changed. These horses don't run back as much. 
it is still happened, but as you see, like last year, we saw Rich Strike win the Kentucky Derby, and they said, let's pass on this and let's wait for the Belmont Stakes. There's a couple of reasons for that, but uh, Mage is the only horse that's going to run because horses don't do it that often, but for Mage to be in this race, connections have to be feeling good. I know these guys, I'm friendly with the owner of Mage in Ramiro Restopo. He's a very, very good horseman. The the owners and trainers are very, very good horsemen. They wouldn't be running this horse if they didn't think they had a legit chance at winning the second jewel of the Triple Crown. So they're ready to go. And I, 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 there, there's not many reasons. There's a short list of horses that I feel that can win this race, and he is right at the top. He's right at the top. Excuse me. So, again, is the Preakness Stakes. It is stage two of the Triple Crown. Post time will be 6.50 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday at Pimlico Racetrack. Uh, you can watch it on NBC and Peacock. The purse is $1.65 million for this grade run race. The distance is one in three sixteenth of a mile, and the thoroughbreds are three-year-olds. So, um, with that being said, Mage, uh, give me all the reasons why you feel that this horse has a chance of winning the Preakness on Saturday. So Mage is still lightly raced. Mage is a three-year-old, just like they all are, but Mage didn't start running until earlier this year. He only had three starts leading into the Kentucky Derby. He now only has four starts leading into the Preakness. Uh, each race, these horses start in the starting gate. In all four of Mage's races so far, he hasn't broken particularly well out of the starting gate. It's one of the reasons that I wasn't too keen on him leading into the Derby as a bet because in a big field of 18, 19, 20 horses, I need a horse that's typically going to break sharper out of the gate and not get shuffled back. He broke a little slow in the Kentucky Derby. He got a quick pace to run into. Made another very eye-catching, very nice move around the turn, took control of the race, showed a very nice high cruising speed, which I love in horse racing, horses that can get a part of the ground, you know, have those big strides, quick bursts to kind of make one run, one move, and take control of the race. And that's exactly what he did in the Kentucky Derby. There's less horses in this race, so if he starts a little slow, it's not. I don't think it's going to be as detrimental. But all that being said, let's say the horse actually breaks clean and gets away from the gate and gets into gets into good position for the first time in a, in, a, in now like four races and does this. I don't think the horse has reached the bottom yet. If he breaks clean, gets into good position somewhere on the rail, tucked inside, probably behind the number one national treasure for Bob Baffert is going to be the speed. The other speed in the race will probably be number four, Coffee with Chris. Uh, First mission, number eight on the outside. Brad Cox went on record yesterday saying they will not be on the lead, but they will probably be close to it coming from the outside post. They're going to have to hustle a little bit to clear over from the outside draw, though there is a little bit of room into the first turn of Pimlico with nine and a half furlongs. I think Mage could sit in a very nice spot. Normally, you get an underlaid value and price in the Kentucky Derby. Now, especially with there only being one Kentucky Derby horse in the race, uh, public money will usually start to drift into these hor- a horse that the public already knows. There's a lot of people out there picking the number eight uh, first mission. I think that your price on Mage, the morning line is eight to five. I wouldn't be shocked if you got somewhere in that vicinity or six to five, which I think is, is worth wager. Um, again, Mark DiLorenzo joining us from, uh, from Getty Up. A lot of people feel you mentioned uh, that number eight horse, first mission, a Brad Cox horse. Uh, a lot of people feel that that will be the horse that will present the, the, the main threat for Mage. And, um, and, and obviously, again, 
you know, did not run in the Derby, so was coming in fresh. Uh, you know, what 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 are you giving this horse the chances of, of pulling the upset against Mage? How much do you like First Mission? Yeah, I think First Mission is is definitely the main threat to Mage. Um, again, similar to Mage, First Mission is very lightly raced. He's only raced three times. He's coming in fresh. Uh, he's for the, 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 the probably the best trainer in the world right now, and Brad Cox. So we saw he ran a couple of horses in the Kentucky Derby. The third place horse, Angel of Empire, was trained by Brad Cox. Uh, he's got a lot going for him. He's improving. He's doing it the right way. He's got a high cruising speed, like I just mentioned with me, just something that's similar to this. My one hesitation on this horse is that his last race, he ran well. He flip-flop leads, which is a horse's action going from one leg to the other. He finished okay, but I didn't think he he looked powering like he like this horse is going to is a superstar type of horse. Getting to, you're probably going to get two to one on this horse, maybe even a little lower. It seems like everyone likes this horse. I see Mage, you know, uh, in, going in the uh, is already improved. Uh, this horse is going to have to improve again to beat Mage. This, this thing's to like, but I don't see this horse being some type of superstar freak athlete that I have to say, you know what, there have been horses before that have skipped the derby and gone right into the preakness, sort of like a Bernardini type of name comes to mind right away, who's been like, wow, this is this could be a new superstar. They, they pointed for this spot. Uh, this horse looks good, uh, but I don't think he's great. Um, some other horses that I'm hearing – uh, that, that a few people do fancy, right? And that's the number seven horse, Blazing Stevens, a Chad Brown horse. Um, again, another horse that did not run the Derby, so c- will, will come in pretty fresh. And uh, Irad Ortiz Jr. Uh, is its jockey. Your thoughts on the seven horse? Yeah, Blazing Sevens uh, had a decent two-year-old campaign, ran in the Breeders' Cup and was no match for Forte, who was going to be the Kentucky Derby favorite. Um, he's come back twice this year as a three-year-old. His first time out, he didn't really do much. And then he ran um, he ran in the Bluegrass Stakes behind Forte and Verifying, who ran well. Who both ran, excuse me, between Tapatrice and Verifying and the Bluegrass Stakes, who were both legitimate contenders in the Kentucky Derby, were both legitimate three-year-olds. And he didn't really do much. He, but Chad Brown has given us some time off. Chad Brown won this race last year with early voting. Early voting used a speed bias track to go wire to wire in the Preakness. I thought early voting was a better horse leading into the Preakness, uh, coming in fresh. Uh, I don't really like this horse. It won't be on any of my tickets. Um, National Treasure, the number one horse, Bob Baffert horse. We know he's not allowed to race uh, in the Kentucky Derby, but has won the Preakness seven times. And explain, you know, this horse is going to be running with blinkers on. If you can explain again, why is that uh, important for this horse, this number one horse? Yeah, you know, similar, I think uh, married guys out there, I know myself, you know, having a girlfriend, sometimes you got to keep those blinkers on, to, you know, to keep your <laughs> eyes straight. And you don't want to, you know, when you're at the bar, you're having a few cocktails. Similar theory here. You want to put blinkers on. They put blinkers on this horse in the Breeders' Cup back in November, and the horse ran pretty well. Uh, he lost to two very nice horses in that race. He's come back as a three-year-old. They took blinkers off. Uh, he ran okay two back. Uh, he then was a veterinarian scratch out of the San Felipe on March 4th at Santa Anita. He came back in the Santa Anita Derby. He ran okay again. I can see why they'd like to add blinkers back on to keep that focus. Uh but he's another one that I'm just kind of uh, similar to Blazing Sevens, like you just mentioned with Chad Brown. 
This horse is okay. He's good, but I don't think he's anything that's that special. There's one thing that he has going for him here, which I've you know, started to, to when I was talking to people around the races and the jockeys over the last couple of days. We mentioned before the pace. The pace makes the race. That's a big thing that I like to say on GiddyUpBets.com. Uh, this horse is going to be the speed of the speed of this race. It's going to put blinkers back on. Bob Baffert horses typically always have big-time gate speed. It's going to break sharp, Go get out to the lead, get on the rail, be in the clear. The other speed, number four, in Coffee with Chris has speed and should be up there. But sometimes what happens in a lot of these big-time grade one triple crown-type races with a horse like number four, Coffee with Chris, who's the other speed, they'll take back a little and try to preserve some energy and not embarrass themselves and just hope to get third or fourth. I've seen this happen a few times. You also now have Brad Cox, the trainer of number eight, who's the other horse that has some speed, and he said, we're not going to go to the lead. Maybe he's just being a little confident. Maybe he's trying to you know, trying to stir the pot a little and trying to make sure they don't know exactly what they're going to do. But reading the tea leaves and all of that, that leaves one horse that's going to be on the lead. And we've seen numerous times Bob Baffert horses getting out to the front end, getting comfortable on the front end, re-breaking down the stretch and clearing. I think this horse has a, poss- has a chance of winning. He would probably be my third choice in the race. Uh, but I'm going to use him underneath, thinking that he might get even tired, not have that kick late like he showed two, three, and four back in his races. So he's one that I'll use underneath the trifectas, exactas, maybe use a little bit in a B or C column when I play the pick four, pick five. But I'm not putting this horse on top. And that's where you kind of have to separate if you're going to like a favorite like Mage. I don't like to what people call as a chalk eater. I'm going to bet the favorite. Oh, he likes the favorite. It's different. It's how you bet the favorite. Not so much who you like, but how you're going to bet who you like. So you take a horse that's a favorite, you want to put them on top. If you want to box horses around, this is your one race of the year that you like to play, or maybe two after the Kentucky Derby, have some fun, play some numbers. I encourage that. But if you're going to take it seriously, play every day, play every weekend, at least like I do, and people that subscribe to Giddy Up Bets, I'm going to, you know, I have to take a stand. I'm going to, I try to press my strongest opinions and print money. And that's kind of what I do. Okay, so uh, really quickly, before we let you go, in the show strong here, Mark, take us to the window. How are you wagering? What are you doing? What ticket are you submitting at the window for the Preakness on Saturday at 6.50 p.m. or a little bit before then, uh, Eastern time? You want to get in a little bit before then. You don't want to get shut out. There's nothing worse than trying to go put your wager in at 6.51 and like them going off and now you have no action and that's just that it's not a good start to your weekend. I'm betting Mage. I'm going to put Mage on top, trifecta. I'll probably do about $10 trifecta. Uh, we call them pressed on top. Mage, number three. Underneath, I'm going to pre- keep it pretty simple. I'm going to use two horses in the second slot. That would be number eight, first mission. And then I like a long shot to round up underneath and number six, perform. It's going to be coming from off the pace. Uh, I'm hoping that the one and the four battle it out a little bit on the front end. He picks up some pieces on the outside. So I'm going to be playing tri- main trifectas with number number three, Mage on top, with number eight, First Mission, and number six, Perform. In the third slot, I'll also I'll just use those two horses again in number six, Perform, number eight, First Mission. And then I'll also use number one, National Treasure, who I'm thinking is going to go out to the front end, tire, finish third, just as he's kind of done the last uh, three races and kind of stick to the patterns and try to uh, print some money. Fantastic. Mark, great having you on with us. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Happy Preakness weekend. Giddy up. Have a good time. Have a cocktail and uh, make a couple of bucks. Love it.
Uh, Black Eyed Susan. That's what you want to. That's what. That's what you want to pour for yourself. Uh, Mark DiLorenzo from Giddy Up, Giddy Up Sports, GiddyUp.com. That's where you can find him, of course, getting you ready for the Preakness. Uh, this concludes our show, and we've got you locked and loaded for the weekend. Do we not? Uh, the Preakness PGA Championship. Uh, you've got Haney going up against uh, Lomachenko. Uh, we've got your NBA Lakers still in action. Hockey. NBA Futures, man, uh, we've got you locked and loaded for the weekend, so definitely enjoy it. I'm Nita Marks. You've been listening to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN. Good luck, everybody.